0: Thanks for joining us for another God-inspired message from C3 Church Monash. Connect with us online at c3monash.org.au and we hope you enjoy today's message.
1: We have the extraordinary privilege of having uh, Pastor Andrew Kabbalah with us today. Andrew and Janine are healing evangelists and uh, they minister all over the the globe. Uh, But they also pastor a church that they planted about 12, 14, 15 months ago. One year ago, one year ago, they're celebrating their one year anniversary and, uh, in Wollongong and some of our alumni are over there, uh, the Brazels are over there, uh, Alessia was over there for a while but she's overseas now, I think I saw Deanna here before, yeah, so... Uh, but uh, doing a great job in Wollongong, um, a city, every city needs more of God. And so uh, Andrew and Janine and uh, Sam and Johnny are doing a phenomenal job with the team over there and uh, establishing a significant and a uh, viable and vibrant church over there. So they come to us with a, a wealth of experience and uh, it is a great privilege to have uh, Andrew with us. So will not you stand and welcome him as he comes to minister this morning.
0: Hey, hey Amen, just just stay standing for one more minute. Come on, why don't you just lift your hands if you're, you know, we're in the, we're in the miracle zone. And uh, I love that Psalm that says, uh, Psalm 121, it says, I lifted up my eyes to the Lord, to the mountains, because this is where my help comes from. It comes from the maker of heaven and earth. And friend, I don't know where you've been looking for your help recently, but last time I looked, miracles, well, they come from God. And so Lord, we lift our hands, believing that something can shift for us today, believing that something can turn. God, we thank you for the miraculous power of God. We thank you, Lord, that nothing is impossible for you. God, we believe that today everything's about to turn. Everything's about to shift. That this is the day that the Lord has made. In Jesus' name, amen. Just lift your hands. Just like, Give me like three more seconds. You know, maybe there's an impossible dream in your heart. Maybe, Maybe you've been thinking, man, I'd really like to to do something for God. And it just seems so big. But I just got a sense today that, you know, nothing's impossible for him. And that if we can give these dreams, these moments, our lives to God, then he can just really blow on it. That new job is gonna come into reality. The pay increase is happening. You are gonna get into politics. You are going to be successful. Everything's changing. Everything's turning around. God, we just pray, Lord, that you would just fall on this meeting today. Steal the show. Holy Spirit, just have your way. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Give God a big, big clap. Have a seat. Turn to somebody and say, I like Andrew already. Just prophesy that over your life. You'll be doing so good. Well, haven't you got the best pastors in the whole world? Steve and Deb, aren't they amazing? Very, very jealous um, of your beautiful building. When when you're starting a church, you're jealous of everything. And uh, I was looking at your screens, I'm jealous of your screens, I'm looking at the stage. But we, we are in a beautiful little setting in uh, the University of Wollongong. We look over a, a lake in our auditorium. We're on the third store, story um, and it's, it's very, very nice. God's been kind to us and um, we, we, we love it. Um, being pastors, I don't know how the church is going because I am a healing evangelist. But um, at least there's no sickness in our church, in Jesus' name. And um, I said to my church, there'll be nobody dying of cancer in my church. And uh, one year in, so good, so far. So um, <laughs> let's, let's keep that prophecy going <laughs> until I get stoned. But um, oh, I, don't think, I don't think anybody should die of cancer or arthritis. In fact, I believe that we should all live 120 years, but at least that we should go to heaven in full health and um you know it's funny uh, i was praying for somebody who was uh, 80 86 recently and um, i said well, you know we're gonna let's just f- spend a couple of days you know pr- praying and believing god for a miracle for this person and i could see the church kind of like going oh you know but they've kind of run their race and you know they've done pretty good and i thought you know what church we've got it all wrong god is not ageist you know like if somebody had leukemia, a little five-year-old, the whole church would go into fasting and praying for weeks and would be doing a whole bunch of things. But if a 90-year-old has leukemia, we kind of go, oh, you know, gee, they've, they've done well, haven't they? God doesn't see it that way. God wants to heal the 90-year-old as much as the five-year-old. And uh, as a church, we should stretch out our hands and believe God for their miracle, just as passionate as, as ever. And, um uh, any older people believe that? <laughs> I think uh, Older people like hearing that verse. Anyway, God is good. Thanks, worship team. Have a, good, have a great seat. Uh, have a seat. Where am I? I'm in Canberra. But, you know, uh, me and Steve and Sam uh, were having an awesome time last night because I said, we've got to watch the Rugby World Cup. And uh, I'm a Kiwi, so uh, we got third, and um, so I was depressed for a day. Cancel church. And, um, but uh, one of my very good friends is uh, Sia Khaleesi, and he is the captain of the South African rugby team. I met him four years ago at Hillsong South Africa, actually, um, when I was doing the Salvation altar call, and Sia put his hand up and to give his life to Christ. And afterwards, I, I met him, and I said, see you, you know know, what, what's happening? And he said, you know, I've given my life to Jesus today. And he said, see, and he said, Pastor Andrew. You can hardly even understand him. He's got a very thick accent. He goes, Pastor Andrew. <laughs> he says, uh, I need a miracle. And I said, what's the miracle you need? And he says, I can't play rugby because I've got a, um, a, a shoulder that's been damaged. And so we went up into the uh, green room, and me and Pastor Phil Dooley and a few other pa- uh, leaders came around to pray for Sia for a miracle. And as I was putting my hand on his shoulder, he begins to cry. And he says, what are you doing to me? And I said, I'm not doing anything. And he says, I can feel something shaking in my bones. as a Sia, he's a big boy. And, uh, and I go, I said, that, Sia, that's healing. That's what healing feels like. And he says, the pain, the pain and tears are tripping off his cheeks he said the pain's leaving my body and um and it was that day that phil dearly prophesied over him and he says I, I believe that god's calling you to be a captain to have personal authority to, and he says in my wildest dreams i never thought i'd be the captain of, of anything and his story was that he was very poor family and um he got a scholarship and uh to play rugby and that was his career but about uh three months ago um uh, so me and Sam were in South Africa, and Sia called me, and he says, Pastor Andrew, I need a miracle again, because my knee uh, is um, been damaged, and the ligaments have been torn, and I can't play in the Rugby World Cup. And uh, it's only six weeks before the, um, well, the, they announced the team, and he says, I can't come. And he says, well, we'll, uh, if I take you out for dinner, Andrew, will you pray for me? And uh, I said, let's do it. And uh, so Sam and Johnny got photos with Sia, and off we went for dinner. And the whole time I was saying, Sia, God's got a big dream for you. And I prophesied over Sia over dinner, I said, seek ye first the kingdom of God, Sia, and all these things will be added unto you. I said, well, you're gonna win the World Cup, God's gonna bless you, everything's gonna turn around. And over dinner, he was crying, crying, crying. I prayed, got down. His knee's like this big. And I, it's <laughs> not because of sw- swelling, he's just a big unit. And uh, and I was praying, praying for his knee. And I said, God's healing your knee. The very next week, he played, the very next week, pain free. You see him, you see him with all the bandages around him. And uh, me and Steve were watching him running onto the uh, World Cup stage last night. I felt like it was me running onto the uh, (laughs) stage and um, but when they won it was amazing to see the South African team get together and pray and he said to me Andrew what can we do what can we do and I said wouldn't it be good I said if you were to pray at the end of the World Cup because the whole world would see that God is getting glory and uh, and then he prayed and I think we've got a a photo of him and that's him kissing uh, the cross and then we've got another photo of him uh, and that's the word Jesus, as he holds up the World Cup. Come on, somebody, give God a big shout. Isn't that? I think that's pretty good, isn't it? And uh, you know, we need to pray for our sports teams and our politicians and people who have got influence, because I think that you know the world's got to know, you know, that you you can have integrity and do the right thing and and still achieve. Amazing results and be a, a role model for the generations to come. And he's going to, you know, change Africa. That's the the whole thing of this. It's not just running, running the winning the World Cup. See, he's a person of influence and a person of change. Um, I've just got quickly some resources. Uh, Janine's uh, book, which many of you have got, called Princess, Becoming uh, Everything You Created It would Be, talks about the four things of Esther's life. Janine, obviously, uh, you have spoken here many times, had anorexia, bulimia, and, uh, and was told that she would never be free from that. And as we prayed, God showed her four things, seven things that she could do to receive her miracle. You know, I believe in the instantaneous, miraculous power of God, like I saw of Sia. But oftentimes God requires us to do something for the miracle, big or small. Maybe to go visit the priest, dip yourself in the river, um, you know, lots of different things in the Bible that God asks people to do to receive their miracle, big and small. But, um, But I believe that God can change our life. And it's not my... Goal to wave a pink book around, but it would be my agenda that every girl, every mum, and every daughter would get hold of this book because I believe it is a life-transforming uh, word. Because the, the devil is attacking our mind constantly, and even as, even as I was talking to Sia, you know, he's saying, you know, there's so many voices in my head, Andrew, and and to know the God voice and to listen to that and push through those fears and push through those boundaries and to be free from torment. And, you know, we'd be, we'd be mistaken to think that we're not tormented sometimes. We are tormented, not just ladies. Us guys, we're, we're, we're like 10 times worse. But uh, you, the, the truth of it is, you can be free. And that's an amazing thought. And uh, so this is going to help a lot of people. Um, Janine's uh, messages are on here as well called Be Healed, which is um, a, a, a CD on the miraculous, it's got Pastor Phil Pringle on there, other speakers, myself, talking about healing, because as I've been a healing evangelist for 12 years now, and I've journeyed through this, people, it's not just a one-off moment, it's receiving your healing and keeping your healing long-term, and I've been healed of leukemia at the age of uh, 17 years old, and for five years, i battled battled that, that demon, and to stand here now, and to and to say you know i'm healthy and whole is a a great thing but it's an everyday victory even for me now just standing and believing in god's promises and word of god and i tell you right now your health is more important than you think it's not until you're sick you go oh man dear, i wish i was healthy uh when you're wheezing and lying in bed so But to keep health and to maintain that is what I'm talking about on these series. And if you buy this, uh, I think you get the book for free. And then also, um, just recently released is my um, book uh, on, on evangelism, How to Win Your Family and Friends. What is evangelism? How to Overcome Fear. What to say, what does the salvation prayer look like, all these kinds of things that demystifying evangelism. And um, I'm the youngest of eight in my family, uh, which is um, because I was born in New Zealand. It's very cold in New Zealand. That's why there's so many children being born. And, um, but the youngest of eight in my family, and to be able to leave half my family to the Lord who were away from God was an extreme privilege to me. And even to see Sia. Uh, come to Christ and other South African uh, members of the rugby team who have led to the Lord it's just that conversation it's the invitation and to do that without being strange is a very important part and it's a a very easy booklet um, but I'm telling you and I'm telling my church I said evangelism is the number one thing that we should do evangelism shouldn't just be necessarily in church it should be on our Mondays, and our Tuesdays, and our Wednesdays, when we are sitting inside friends and family members. And this uh, book, I believe, is going to equip you to do that. It's simple and easy read, and I really believe it's going to bless you. If you buy the USB, Sam, saying, you get that book for free as well. We're giving everything away for free. You, well, I want to talk to us about being reset for a blessed life. Who would like to have a blessed life? Yeah. Good. Well, you three can have it. Um, <laughs> everybody else you got to stay tormented. Okay. Uh, but let's let's have a blessed life. When I was thinking about my church uh, Church Pastor Steve, which I feel like it's very funny even saying that, my church, you are like hey hey hey, my church, yeah, my church C3 Believe Church. Um my church, I'm thinking about my church. What is the goal of a pastor? And I think I think when it comes down to it, it's is that I want my church, number one, to be blessed. I think that I want them to prosper and to be successful in their God-given endeavors. I, I, I want us to be a soul-winning church. I want us to enjoy church. I want it to be happy and fun. And, and, and you know, like, that's what I was thinking. I thought, wouldn't it be good if our church was blessed? I, I'm, I'm tongue-in-cheek when I say, wouldn't it be good if there was no cancer in our church? If we, if we were just living in that in this kind of like Holy Spirit health bubble sort of thing, and um, but why not us? Why not why not us be blessed? And I was thinking, well, how how could we reset? If if we could reset now, like just shift. You don't have to wait to New Year's Eve to make those little New Year's resolutions where you like, and they never ever work. It's just like again okay, now. What what does church look like for me? What does to be living in a blessed life look for me, for, for our church? And I, and I was thinking about that. And I, in John uh, 1 and verse 5, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was, was God. And He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through Him. And without Him, nothing was that was made. In Him was life, and life was the light of men and the light shines in darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. I I, I love it because the Word became flesh and, and dwelt amongst them. You know, I, if I was to think of a, a church that was blessed, I think it would be a church that loved the Word of God, that, that would realize that the, the pages of the Bible were alive and real and could touch it, lives that we are the Bible says we are transformed by the renewing of our mind the, the Word of God transforms and renews our mind. You see, I think uh, a, a lot of people have come from different areas um, to our church. We've had a uh, hundred uh, decisions for Christ in, the, in our one year we've had 28 baptisms um, in, our, in our year but we have had a lot of people who have been around the block a little bit you know what I mean they're just not this is not their first rodeo they've come to church a few times and this is a a new culture and a a new environment for us and and as we're talking about having a blessed life I'm saying come on church we've got to do better than just having a dusty Bible on the side of her bed or even You know those like one minute devotions? Have you ever seen those? They're like these little devotion books uh, put out. And what you can do is you can read the the devotion in one minute, which is pretty good. And so, what we do, church, is we'll go to, we'll watch Survivor. I'm so I I like Survivor. We'll watch Survivor. We'll uh, do Dancing with the Star. I don't know. We'll watch every, every favorite, Love Island. See, I can't believe you even knew what that was. And, uh, but I got you, didn't I, you little Love Island watchers. Um, you're watching Love Island. You're tired. You're exhausted. You have your last little sip of vino. And then you put your head on the pillow. And, and then you think, oh, I haven't had my quiet time. And so you flick on your little nightlight, pull out your one-minute devotional. You read it. <laughs> In 58 seconds, beat your record. And then you're thinking God's looking down at you going, Wow! Wow! Gabriel, come here. Look at him. Look. That's devotion. He's going to change the world. Look at that commitment. Well, it's good that you read something. But I just wonder if God's looking for a little bit more when he died on the cross for a relationship with us, when people have been martyred for the Word of God, that actually the Word of God is the living Word of God that speaks to us every single day of our life. Every single moment that we pick up the Bible, it should be a new revelation. When I got baptized with the Holy Spirit, I was brought up Catholic but then I got saved in a little Presbyterian church and I'd read my Bible I'd try to read it and and I had a little Bible study that I'd go through and I was pretty faithful doing that and then I got baptized in the Holy Spirit when I was 17 years old I remember falling down on that ground and then hearing like people the singing music over me i remember lifting up my eyes looking around and thinking man what has happened and um felt like something was burning inside my chest i was, I was feeling excited i went home and i uh, just began to pray just normally and i began to speak in tongues i thought oh my gosh i've got a disease what's happened and realized you know this is something great i remember that night that very very night i opened the book i opened the bible And words (laughs) started to jump out at me. I couldn't believe it. It was like a different book. That the Word of God had, had come alive to me again, afresh and anew. And I thought, how amazing is this? What is this? It's some kind of trick. But all of a sudden, what I realized is that no longer am I just reading it through my eyes. But I'm now reading it through God's eyes. And the reason the words don't jump anymore is because we leak. We've, we've leaked the Holy Spirit. We need to be filled again with the power and excitement of the Word of God. That all of a sudden their lives can be so enriched by that. And I'm not bagging out devotional books that you've got beside your bed. I'm proud of you that you've got one. But is there more? Is there more that God would want from us? Come on. To have a blessed life if God if this is the pathway if the Bible is the pathway that we need to be following I think as a church we can do so much more I'm thinking about how to how to have a great church and to have a healthy church you know um, I'm thinking it says in John 15 verse 5 and 6 it says I am the vine and you are the branches if you remain in me you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. For uh, if you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burnt. John eight thirty one. 31. Uh, to the Jews who believed in him, Jesus said, If you hold on to my teachings, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You see, I, I honestly believe that we need to have a devotion with God, a relationship with God. If we're gonna have a blessed life, surely as a church we would understand that this is not a dress rehearsal. We're not coming back as a cat or a dog. This is our one shot to do something for him. And I believe that being intimate in our Bible reading as a church is gonna elevate us to a whole new way. What can shake us out of our religiosity and our apathy, maybe having a revival in the Word of God, that we would actually do that. You see, you can hide your relationship, sir, from pastor. You can probably hide your relationship, you think, from other people. We can dress nice, and we can look good, and everything can look real sharp. We can even give our money to God. But there's one person you cannot hide your devotion away uh, from and that is your wife you see janine knows whether i'm reading my bible or not she knows where i'm praying she knows if i'm leading my family with integrity and when i'm not i'm telling you right now and samuel will be a a witness to that janine will give me a kick in the pants and say come on lead your family pray be the man of god what would shake you sir out of your apathy who sold you the lie that prayer has not got power Who told you the word of God doesn't transform your soul? Friend, who told you that church was a preference? That you decide on the weather, whether you would come or not. Surely there's a higher calling. Don't tell me there's not a fight for your miracle, not a fight for your relationship with God. Of course there's a fight. Even as a Christian, there has to be a daily decision to follow Jesus. You know, when I was uh, traveling in my Bible college years and I just want to highly commend um, C3 College because Bible College transformed my life. That one year that I set aside to do Bible College was the years that God spoke to me and and began to transform my life and sow a seed in my life that I would be in full-time ministry. A part of my ministry, I I had the privilege of traveling around with a healing evangelist. Her name was Cecily Stoneham and cecily was uh in india a lot in australia and around the world and i was going to go four weeks in india four weeks in australia and two weeks in new zealand but her mother passed away two weeks before we were supposed to travel and so the trip was cancelled and we decided to stay in new zealand Uh, she 1700 people came to the funeral to, to see her mum Go uh, say goodbye. Cecily led seventeen of her family members to the Lord on that day, and um, and it was a, gr- a great moment. S- I said, Cecily, what are we going to be doing? And because I was still going to be traveling with her, but only in New Zealand, she said, for the first two weeks, we're going to stay with my dad to keep him company. You're going to be sleeping in his room in a stretcher, just and uh, because it was a very humble home. And she said, I'm going to be sleeping in the in the living room in the pull-out sofa. And I said, oh, this is peculiar and a little bit odd. Every good healing evangelist, um, every Maori healing evangelist plays the guitar. And Cecily and I uh, and her dad, the three of us, would sing songs uh, till late in the night, worship songs. As I began, as I slept, Cecily would continue to sing. There would not be one time in the night that I did not hear Cecily praying. I could hear her talking, I could hear her uh, whispering to God and from time to time singing. It could be three o'clock in the morning, I'd wake up, I could hear her. Uh, there would be numerous times in that room and um, uh, all the windows would be closed but we didn't have like a proper door, it was one of those curtains that you kind of pull and the and the curtains would begin to blow as the Holy Spirit came into the room. There'd be other moments and this amazing fragrance, would come into the room and Cecily began to worship and pray. Other times I felt like pins and needles were falling on me, like this weird kind of thing was happening to me as, as she began to pray and worship. And it was an, an amazing moment. This one time, true story, I, we were driving to church and for the last three nights I'd heard Cecily weeping before the Lord, just crying out to God. And I was getting a bit freaked out by it. So I said to Cecily, as we're driving to service, and I was her driver, I said, Cecily, can I ask you a very personal question? She said, sure. I said, at nighttime, I can hear you crying. Is it because you're missing Mary? Is it because you're missing your mum? And she said, no, Andrew, I do miss mum. But she said, that's not the reason I'm crying. She says, when I'm crying, the reason I'm crying is because when I come into his presence, he's beginning to show me the great miracles that are going to happen in church today. She said, there's a young boy and he's got a brace on his leg. God's going to heal him. Another lady with a tumor on her neck and God is going to heal that today. Five people are going to come to Christ. And she told me who they were and kind of what was happening. It was a very small meeting, maybe like 50, 60 people on that night. And a little boy with a brace came forward to be healed and got healed. I saw a lump on a lady's neck um, disappear right before my eyes. And all of a sudden, I realized that there were different levels of intimacy with God, that God would want more from us, that 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 there is a higher level. If we can remain in Him, He would remain in us. I'm thinking about the captain of the South African rugby team, that only... Only a young boy with no shoes, no food, no hope, no education, but good at a sport, got a, got a scholarship, came to church brought by a friend, sits in a service, finds out that Jesus can save his soul, puts his hand up, then thinks to himself, maybe God can heal me, and then God does. A prophecy from another pastor saying, you'll be the captain of the rugby team, going to be a person of influence, a leader, hears God and follows God, loves the Lord, prays every day, reads the Bible every single day, and then last night, standing in front of the whole world, kissing and saying, God is my Savior and my Lord. Who would have thought that God would have done that? But who would have thought that God is going to use you in an amazing way? To see your family and your friends come to Christ. Come on, if you believe that, give God a big clap. This may not be the sexiest message I've ever preached, but I'm telling you it's one of the most important messages I've ever preached. That if we as a church, if I want my church to be blessed, I want my church to pray. I want us to read the Bible. These are foundation stones of our life. And to, and to be away from that is just a shift. It's just to reset for a blessed life. God wants you to be blessed. He wants you to prosper. But life is more about you than you realize. You choose to win. You choose to grow. You make the decision to be blessed. I was thinking about um, uh, to, what, what do we need to do to be blessed? We need to reset not only our, our prayer life, but we need to reset our giving. It says in Malachi 3, verse 6, it says, the Lord. It says, I, the Lord, do not change. Who thinks that's interesting. I, th- I like it. He doesn't change. He's not fickle. He's not upside down. He says, I, I, I want to bless you. So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them Return to me, and I'll return to you. Well, that's fair enough, isn't it? You return to me, I'll return to you. That sounds good. All you have to do is reset. Just reset. He says, the Lord Almighty, he even kind of big notes himself. He says, like, I'm the Lord Almighty. So just think about that for a bit. But you ask, how do you return to me? Will, you, will, uh, will mere mortal rob God? Yet yeah, you rob me, but you ask, how are you robbing? Tithes and offerings. And it's just as simple as that. You know, I was thinking, what would be the perfect church? <laughs> yeah. Um, wouldn't it be good, Pastor Steve, if the whole church prayed? Like, I mean, shut the gate. We, we would just, we would be in revival. Like, Canberra would be shaken because this church prayed. If we read the Bible and made good choices because we're following the footprint, the Bible. I mean, <laughs> well, didn't like that. Uh, no, well, the, the, reason, the reason is because we just need to reset. It's, I'm not trying to bully people. I'm just saying, hey, listen, can we do better? Can can we shift? Can we can we can we can we do this? This is not a game. This is not a dress rehearsal. We believe in Jesus. He's the God Almighty, bigger than we thought. Maybe bigger than He wants to influence us. He wants to do something in our life. And then he, and then and then I thought, how? What what are the foundation stones of church? If we prayed, that would be awesome. If we read the Bible, that would be awesome. If we were intimacy, have intimacy with God, that would be awesome. But if we, if we gave, that would be awesome. And the reason is that is because it's a test of lordship. It's, and the Bible says, says even in that, it says, test me in me. I said to my church, wouldn't it be amazing if everybody just tithed? Like, don't, don't worry about any other offerings just what you had you just gave it to god because that's what he told you to do and then he says that you are blessed and then he says that we're already blessed but he says he rebukes the devourer off you you know i'm a healing evangelist like that's good so i pray for lots of people i pray for i go to hospitals uh uh, you know all the time i'm in the church People in the hospital I go visit them, and I'm talking to them, and and I've just come to this conclusion. You may not even like it a lot, but I like praying for people who are reading the Bible. I like praying for people who are praying. People, it just makes me it kind of feels easier. It feels like there's kind of oil in the room. Just kind of ooh, nice, you know. Like I don't. It's hard praying for grumpy Smurf. Do you know, like, mm, mm, I don't really like God but you can pray for me anyway it's not helpful do you know, who knows what I'm talking about and we've all got grumpy smurf in our family and God can still do the miracle but I'm saying what would I rather who would I rather pray with Is the person who is in love with God, who is praying, who's reading their Bible and stuff like that. Because I can stand on the book, come on somebody, and say this is what my Bible says. It says if the person are praying, they're reading the Bible, they're giving the tithing, your word says that I can rebuke the devourer of their life. I can rebuke sickness, I can rebuke cancer, I can rebuke pain. In the name of Jesus, get off! shout i'm I'm getting excited who knows what i'm talking about because i've got the saints and apostles backing up from behind black-eyed looks from those but oh oh, oh, in excess okay but i like it because it feels like the saints and apostles are backing up from behind it's the word of god that we're standing on friends this is not a game have i said that before this is something that is actually real Imagine a whole church praying for a city, praying for our family, standing with each other saying, God, let there there be one. Seeing revival happen in families and friends, colleagues that we sit beside every single day, they need to come, they need to hear. Time is running short. We're praying, believing the word of God. It's a light unto our soul. It's helping us go further, it's giving us direction and, and 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 help. If we were to give God what belongs to him, it's a test of lordship. And so and so the community can be blessed. So we can put on more staff to help the schools, the university, the government is here, chaplains, chaplains in the in in, in parliament, why not? They're fired up ready to go. Why not have the greatest politicians in the world right here in Canberra? Why not be not only this prime minister, but the next one and the next one and the next one? Who told you that it's going to happen every now and then? Who who sold that lie to us? God's looking for a man. He's looking for a woman to rise up and to be a person of influence. Imagine a church (laughs) that would be fired up imagine your family come on friend it's not just you it's your children it's the generations to come it's your grandchildren they're called to be blessed and we are called to leave a legacy a commitment imagine not only you to be blessed but a church a community to be blessed imagine canberra a revival in the front page of the newspaper imagine The current affair coming saying there's a revival in Canberra hallelujah imagine if imagine if 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 some of those guys got born again why not who said no everything can change when we put him first said to Sia seek first the kingdom of God that's what the bible says and all these things will be added unto you. Come on, friend. Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. Seek, seek him first. Him first. Prayer, devotion, and giving. These are just little foundation stones. You'll be blessed. You say to me, Andrew, I need a miracle. Seek him first and all these things will be added unto you. The miracle's just around the corner. The miracle's here. It's just a decision. I, don't know, I often say to... People, especially when I'm traveling, who told you the lie? Who told you that prayer doesn't have power? Who told you that? And so um, we know that there's a fight because the devil whispers to us. See, it doesn't really matter that you're not praying. (laughs) It doesn't really matter that you don't read your Bible anymore. Tithe when you want to. Give to God. Sow your life to Him. When you've prayed that prayer, Church, come on, and you said, "God, I want You to be my Lord and Savior." Yes. You remember that prayer? Yes. Mm. Salvation Altar call is going to be big today. Do you, <laughs> do you remember that prayer, Church? Come on, come on. Give me. This is family. Do you remember that prayer? Yes. God, I give You my life. I give You. Forgive me for any wrongs, any sin. But we said, Lord, I want you to be my Lord and Savior. He's like, Oh, they meant it. <laughs> and then, but they'll they'll try to take it back. He goes, No, 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 just be all in, pray, read your Bible, and then and then I'm telling you, evangelism will just come naturally. Natural, it will be the overflow. It'll be the it'll be. The, the the winning of friends and family will just be the overflow, the smile, the conversations, the willingness to come. I wonder if the worship team could join us. You know, I've done uh, a lot of messages around the world and stuff like this, but I'm I'm finding like now being a pastor, Pastor Steve, I feel like I've, I've, I'm changing. Because the the, the miracle's in their hands. But how much do you want your miracle? That's the thing. You see, Janine's story, as she says in her messages, that she went on the altar call time and time again to be set free from anorexia and bulimia. Went to, to, back in the day, OSFIRE conference, presence conference, to be prayed for but nothing ever seemed to work. So when Janine was sexually abused six months into our marriage and brought on the onset again, which she'd been free from for a long time of anorexia and bulimia, she went to the doctor. The doctor said, Janine, we can't fix you. That's it. There's nothing else we can do. We can medicate you and we can contain it, but you are gonna have this problem for the rest of your life. Janine just broke down, cried, left the hospital, and and I was 26 at the time, and uh, and Janine had told me what had happened, and literally in their living room, I think we just hugged and cried for about three hours. And I looked at her, I will never forget, and I said Janine, I actually don't know what to do. All I know is we can pray. I don't I don't know how to fix. Your problem, our problem, I don't know. But let's ask God if he could do the miracle. Seek him first, friends, and all these things will be added unto you. During that time, and it was over a three-month period, God began to show Janine seven things that she could do to receive a miracle. One was to pray morning and night, to have have a devotion morning and night, which we did. One of the other things was just to eat meat. She'd been a vegetarian for seven years. He's a good, good father. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. And oh, man, I went to Woolworths with Janine, and she brought her steak. And I was there when she put it on that fry pan, and the very smell of the meat cooking was making her balk. And she cut a little slither of steak and put it in her mouth and felt sick even doing so. Friend, how much do you want your miracle? God said, if you want to be free from anorexia and bulimia, Janine, you have to eat meat. Break that thing off your life. Because she had built a theology around the reason why she couldn't eat meat and there was the love of cows and green and flowers and whatever. But it was all really to do with control. And she had to break that. And you see, that all came out of devotion. That's what I'm saying. It came out of prayer, it came out of reading the Word of God. It came from putting Him first. And now Janine, of course, travels the world telling people her story that you can be free. And I th- I'm thinking, you know what, from time to time we're all going to need different miracles. But it all comes from the same source. It comes from devotion. It comes from, from there, from reading the Bible, spending time with God giving to God we can stand on the rock say God you're going to make away from us why don't we just bow our heads as we pray I feel uh, an incredible sense of like destiny this morning that actually lives are going to be significantly changed Sarah I'm talking to every dad in this house today (laughs) you know that You know that lunchtime could be an awkward conversation because she knows. She actually does know. But, sir, you can reset for a blessed life, not just for you, for your family. Not just for your family, but for your grandchildren and the children to come. That somebody just realized that pride has robbed me of intimacy busyness of life perhaps has robbed me from intimacy with God but coming to church just it's just scratching the surface of what actually God wants to do in their life and sir I'm talking to you because I'm I think that as I was thinking about this morning that when a dad gets connected to God that actually that you can lead the family in devotion and in correction and intimacy. If something could shift for you today, maybe your grandchildren could be blessed. Hmm. Maybe a revival in your family. I'm talking to every mum because I'm thinking about every mum, every word that comes out of a mum has weight behind it, has influence behind it has a caring touch. But I believe when you're connected to God, that that word has influence and a whole new meaning that can shape a family, can lead a family. I'm talking to every young person who's at university, at school. You can bring a revival to that school and to the university. God can direct your path if you just reset. If you give God a moment. And friend, if you're sitting here today and you're saying, Andrew, it's true. I've known about God. If I'm honest, I do. I know about Him. But for some reason, and for whatever reason, I've just been away from Him. I'm not walking with Him, not like you're talking about. But something has to shift for me. Something has to shake me out of my apathy. Friend, in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to do something. I'm going to ask you to to lift up your hand and say, Andrew, that's me. I need to pray, I'm resetting, I'm reshifting my life in the area of my devotion, my Bible reading, in the area of my prayer or in the area of my giving. Something is shifting for me today. I'm pushing the reset, I'm pushing it. I'm not listening to the lie anymore. Something is about to turn for me and my family. I'm going to ask you to lift up your hand. I'll see that hand put it down and then together I'm going to pray for you. I want you to come. I want you to stand on an altar this morning because I'm believing for the Holy Spirit to touch your life. I don't want you to do it any longer on your own strength. I want the power of God to come beside you and to revive your spirit again. And I believe that's what happened to me, even as a young 17-year-old, 15-year-old, when I was filled with the Holy Spirit. Today, the refreshing power of God is going to fall on your life too today. So friend, if you know that you—that's that's you today and something needs to shift, I want you to lift up your hand. Say, yeah, that's me, Pastor. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Many dads other people lifting their hands who else today you're saying Andrew that's me who else you're saying Andrew that's me something's turning something's shifting who else today you're saying Andrew that's me something's shifting something's turning God we thank you Father right now for a revival in this church a revival of the power of God falling in people's lives miracle after miracle miracle after miracle in Jesus name thank you God as you're sitting there friend, as you're sitting there, I'm just just I'm just I'm a couple of minutes over but I want you to know this. Pride is as real as you can imagine. Wow. Pride's the thing that says I'll do it my way, my hell. I'm not gonna lift my hand. I was at a senior pastors conference many years ago in New Zealand and I was a youth pastor I snuck in. <laughs> Invited in by my past youth, by my, my pastor, sitting beside me and Janine, 29 years old. John Bevere gave a salvation altar call, just like this, a rededication kind of moment. He said, "There's somebody here and needs to give their life, rededicate their life to God, to a place of intimacy." I, I was a young evangelist. I bowed my head and said, "God, let there be one." I heard a voice in my head says, "Andrew, you lift your hand." I said, "God, I'm not going to do it." He said, lift your hand, son. I said, Lord, I'm not going to do it. And and I said, God, I'm I'm at a senior pastor's conference. I'm embarrassed. I don't want to do it. He said, Andrew, you have done many things for me, but you've lost the first love of your heart. Lift your hand. I said, Lord, even if you kill me tonight, I'm not standing. I'm not going to lift my hand. That's how I know that pride is real and alive stopping you from coming into a place of intimacy. As I said that, I was so embarrassed because I saw my wife, Janine, lift her hand and she stood. I wasn't embarrassed. She lifted her hand, I was embarrassed that I wasn't the man of God, shaking, my, shaking myself out of that place of complacency and apathy, knowing that I wasn't reading my Bible like I should, knowing I wasn't praying like I should, but yet pride was holding my hand down, saying, don't you do it. When I saw Janine lift, I lifted my hand, I stood. We walked to the front as a couple holding hands, I was weeping. Other pastors joined us and stood. My senior pastor came behind me, put his hand on my shoulder. He said, son, I'm so proud of you. Anytime you lift it, anytime you want to lift your hand, lift it. Anytime you want to come to the altar, come. If you knew how good the altar was, you'd run to the front because there's freedom and giving your life to the Lord. Friend, if you need to come, I want you to come. That's what I'm saying. If you knew how good it was, you'd come. And So church, why don't we stand and if you need to be filled, touched with the power of God to be revived, I want you to slip out of your seat and come and stand here at this moment. And we're going to pray for you. We're going to put my hand on you. And I'm going to ask God to bless you. Come on, slip out. Give people a big hand as they come. I want you to come. I want you to come, sir. I want you to come. I want you to bring your family. I want you to come and I want you to lead God into a place of intimacy. Don't you let the devil, don't you let him slip out of your seat. Who told you? Who told you you can't come? Who told you you can't come? Come. Just slip out. It's not too late. Just slip out. Just come and stand. Everything can turn.